millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm just saying, we knew what it was when we saw you lot together. So you should have known what it was. And you knew who China was because you knew her before. She was your sister's best friend, remember? Anyway, I just, I hate when men try and slut shame women as an attempt to make us feel sorry for what you want tears from me? Move. <laughs> like, you're, you lot funny sometimes. My name is Hannah OJ and I am doing a takeover on the Dope Black Women podcast today. So we're going to start with the music segment first. That's where I usually discuss new releases and just, you know, any interesting tea related to anyone in the music industry that I'm interested in. Did I say interest a lot? Fuck it. Anywho. Uh, <laughs> so first on the docket is Letters to Your Ex by Mahalia. So this song was released on the 17th of February, but Mahalia posted a selfie on Instagram on the 13th of February to promote it. And she did explain the premise behind the song and what it seems like is going to be the theme of the EP that she comes out with because she is teasing the release of an EP, which is hopefully going to come out this year. She said this year, but she hasn't confirmed a date yet. So I'm not going to read the whole caption, but 
part of it, I just really liked. She said, but whilst I was writing, I was reading about the five stages that the heart goes through after a breakup. And whilst I'm definitely not going through a breakup right now, <laughs> I love that she was like, I'm definitely single and ready to mingle. <laughs> um, but yeah, it got me thinking about all the times I felt these things and all of the heartbreak that led me to be here, not only in romantic relationships, but all types. The first stage, denial. I think I can recognize this one the most. Thinking to myself, this can't be true. And telling others that it isn't real. Deny, deny, deny. I don't want it to be true. This isn't happening. Things will get better. They will come back. I really like Let's To Your Ex. This song for me is a perfect demonstration of honest music. The type of music that you listen to and it just describes a feeling that you know that you've had, even if you haven't had this exact experience that the artist is laying down on the track. Mahalia's lyrics really make you identify with what she's saying instantly. I just think it's really well done. I was reading an interview with her in NME that came out on Friday and she said, I wrote letter to your ex the morning after me and my guy had a really bad argument due to a text that had been sent by his ex-partner the night before. Shit, one of them ones. I think when everyone, be- I think when everybody begins a new relationship, it's vital that it feels like a fresh start. Like everything before doesn't really matter. And the next journey begins now with only the two of you. You know, them quotes where it's like, oh God, it's so much easier said than done. Like it would be so great if we could actually act on what we know makes sense. Because a lot of time we do know, but boy, it's another story when you're actually facing the situation in real life. She continued, I realized that this, she continued, I realized through this experience that this isn't always the case, but really I just wanted to tell her how her actions were making me feel, how her gaining closure was my loss in love. Shit. That's deep, Mahalia. That's a bar. How her gain in closure was my loss in love. That's why she's a songwriter, you know. Anywho, and though I am also a woman who has felt all of those feelings before, I wanted to ask her to let him go so that I could hold him close. Oh, fuck. I want so much better for us. Um, to close their all, excuse me, to close their old door so that I could open our new one. Oh shit, man. I, I, I totally get it. <laughs> I, we've, we've, we've all been there. <laughs> so I, I fully get it. She's talking about the ex in question who sent the text message to her boyfriend at the time, obviously, because she threw some shade her way in the song. So Mahalia here in the quote from NME is talking about the ex in question, you know, the bitch that sent the text message to her boyfriend at the time. Um, because she threw some shade her way in the song. And you know what I love? I love a woman that can throw classy shade. You guys know what I'm talking about. You know the type of shade that you know you're hitting someone to their core, but you still end up looking like a nice person? <laughs> that type of shade. I really like this. I have this quote specifically for that. I don't want to sound like a bitch. No, I love that. I love how we always say something like that before, you know, here I come with the smoke. <laughs> here I come with all the bitchiness. But really and truly, like I said, classy shade. So not really. No, I don't want to. If you carry on like this, you're going to get your karma. Take it from a girl who's already been through the trauma. Please stop with the texting, calling, showing up. I think you know what you're doing and it ain't showing love. Oh, I think you know what you're doing, bitch. I know you know what you're doing. I'm a woman. I know what the fuck you're doing by texting this man at whatever time in the night. I don't even know if it was an appropriate time in my head. That bitch called him at 1am. <laughs> okay, I know you guys don't really know me, but just so you know, nine times out of 10, when I say bitch, I say it with love. This is not one of those times. <laughs> because 
I'm on Mahalia's side, if it wasn't clear. Anywho, I'm just kidding. Whoever this woman is, I'm sure, I'm sure we can all relate as well. That's even a great segue to go on to what Mahalia said with the follow-up um, to that song. I was listening to the latest episode of the Straight Up podcast. Shout out to Kathleen Johnston and Eleanor Halls, who are the hosts. I really like your podcast. And I really enjoyed this episode. Mahalia was saying that she has a song titled in her upcoming EP called Letter to Your Next as well. So this song is actually going to be addressing the ex-girlfriend in question with more context. Uh, so quote from the interview says... I was thinking about also being that girl and totally being the ex-girlfriend so badly wanting to hold on to this person that was no longer in my life. So then I wrote this song from that perspective. So one thing I do hope is that if she ever hears it, she understands that I also understand. I would just never want another girl to think that I was doing something to either embarrass her or make her feel small or less than. Oh, Mahalia sounds so sweet. I really like her just from, you know, reading her interviews and listening to her. Yeah, she just comes across like a really sweet person. Um, she'll be releasing an EP very soon, hopefully. I'm saying very soon because I'm actually trying to manifest it. I have no idea when it will be. As I said, she hasn't actually confirmed the date, but she has said it will be at some point this year. She did release a, a single with AJ Tracy last year in September, I believe, called Roadside, which I also really enjoyed. So, yeah, I really, really hope that we'll be able to see, we'll be able to hear that EP soon. Um, but she did say that she actually co-wrote this EP with her boyfriend. So it will be very, very intriguing to hear. I don't really have much tea this week. Really just music releases. But I am excited to talk about this song because I did really enjoy it. So I don't know if anyone is a Queen Niger fan. I don't really know anybody here where I live that listens to her music like that. When... You know, you look at her fan base, she has a lot of the American girlies, but I don't really see. But anywho, let me not say that because perhaps I'm wrong. But yeah, I really like Queen Niger's music. I think she can just record really beautiful R&B music. My particular favorite is Love Is, dot, 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 which is a remix of Love Is Blind by Eve. And Eve is basically like my favorite rapper. I say basically because I really go back and forth. It doesn't really stick to one person. Sometimes it will be Kim. You know, she's not fucking about. It'll be Nikki. But as I was saying, I really do like Queen Niger's music. Um, she's only really released one project, Misunderstood. She did release Misunderstood still last year, which is really just the same project with a few songs added. Good songs, but still. So I'm really hoping that this release indicates that we are anticipating an album this year. I'm not sure because she hasn't actually confirmed that. But anyway, she came out with a new single called Hate Our Love on Friday the 4th of February. And... Big Sean is on the feature. Boy, I love you on your worst day. Still see you how I saw you on the first day. Even all the times that we ain't seeing out of time. Can't imagine spending holidays or birthdays without you. In a moment I leave, I miss being around you. And I know you mean well, I never ever doubt you. Though we've been through some hell, but I still care about you. Still crazy about you. And I know all that day. Hoping and praying on the downfall.
the video came out on Friday the 18th of February. I really, really like the video. I like the song a lot as well. But um, the visuals were directed by Cam Busby. And I do want to just give him a shout out, even though it is the underrated podcast. Well, the host of the underrated podcast coming to you on a dope black woman takeover. However, I really, really enjoy the video. At first, when I, because it's, you know, it's set in NYC and... It starts with DJ Envy introducing the track like he would on The Breakfast Club. And I was like, ugh. So I just, I'm sorry, I just really don't like that man. Um, and I was kind of like, hmm, why are they doing in New York? Because they're both from Detroit, Queen Niger and Big Sean. So I was thinking it would have been a great opportunity to shoot the video in their hometown, surely. But then as the video progressed, I realized it was very reminiscent of the All I Have music video, J-Lo and LL Cool J. And then I realized that must have been the intention because that video is also set in New York. So yeah, I really like it. I love a little bit of nostalgia, you know, and Queen Niger's, you know, she can sing better than J-Lo, so not mad at it. And yeah, I just thought, I just thought it was cool. And I also thought it was interesting to see Big Sean featuring on a song like this. It was very reminiscent of the era that I grew up in where it was, you know, the big R&B stars, um, you know, having the big rappers collaborate with them on their track and kind of bringing it together in a nice hip hop R&B marriage, you know, um, because around that era, hip hop and R&B in my head as a consumer at the time, they both felt as big as each other. That's why it's mad weird to get into this phase now that we're in where you see that you know, I feel like a lot of it is about rap. I feel like a lot of people love R&B too, but because R&B has changed so much, not so much, but, you know, I feel like as it's gotten a little bit more raw and a little bit more blunt than it was and a little bit less, I don't want to say pick me-ish, <laughs> but a little bit, um, yeah, like pick me-ish for lack of a better term. A lot of the R&B songs that we were used to listening to are, I would die without the dick, you know? Whereas a lot of the R&B tunes now are very much, you know, giving women empowerment as the main theme. So I feel like that has changed things slightly. Not for me. In fact, I love this R&B era even more as much as, in terms of the lyrics and how I can relate to the songs and what they're saying. The production is, you know, unmatched in terms of the producers that we'd have on R&B tunes back in the day. But yeah, where it comes to what they're saying, I definitely identify with this new era of R&B more, in my opinion. Like I'm definitely more about the Kalani's and the Scissors and the Summer Walkers and, you know, the Queen Nigers. Here we are again. <laughs> Just bringing it back to Queen Niger before I get all sidetracked because I tend to do that. But yeah, I really, really like um, seeing Big Sean on a feature like this because I'm not really used to seeing him on songs like this when it's not Janae. So I think that it had a lot to do with Queen Niger being a Detroit artist. Um, but it would also be nice to see that more, you know, the, the rappers that are big in today's society, like, you know, collaborating on R&B. Like, I would love to bring that back. Um, the main person in my head who I think of is Mariah. Like, she would have the dopest, best songs and have so many like a variety of different hip-hop artists collaborating with her and it was just a fantastic time i think 
So, yeah, and I loved the outfits. I loved how it looked visually. Queen Nigel had this really cute Gucci puffer jacket that I must acquire. I'll put that in my manifestation wish list. Um, but yeah, like the only thing I didn't really like about it is that I didn't really like that random dance sequence that they had. I don't really understand why they're getting every dancers. Uh, I don't really understand why they're getting every artist to dance. I don't really think that's necessary because I see a lot of the rappers and singers alike doing a few sequences now and again. And I'm like, why? Like, I just don't think we need you to dance like that. Honestly, in this day and age with the, um, you know, the the current, um, for lack of a better term, artists, where it comes to the females, only really Doja Cat and Normani impress me where it comes to their dancing. And Brie Runway, sorry. No, 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 I'm lying. Brie Runway and Chloe Bailey. I'm sure I've left out a few other girls. Have I left out a couple other girls? I probably have because I was sure it was only Doja Cat and Normani and then I was wrong. But what I will say is I do think Megan is improving. She's still not as clean cut as you'd like. We've really been spoiled in the era of Ciara and Beyonce, you know, um, in terms of dancing al- along with performing. It's not easy. And I feel like the rappers doing it is is a mistake, in my opinion, because, you know, some of them have a, a little bit more to focus on before they get to dancing at the same time as rapping. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Megan is improving quite well because she genuinely loves dancing. She's talked about it quite a bit. I think she, because she genuinely enjoys it, it's not as much of a task to her to try and... It would be actually really cool. I'd actually be here for it because I'm not going to lie. I enjoy seeing dancing, so I'm not mad at it. It's a lot to think about in terms of worrying about your breath control and dancing at the same time. But if you can do it, I'm here for it. And I do think that Megan will eventually get to a standard that we're going to be happy with because the night of the Grammys where she won, I think she won three Grammys that night, when she was speaking about how she wanted to be a rapper from when she was younger, she was saying, I wanted to be like the rap Beyonce. That's why Beyonce means so much to her, etc. And I do see that. Like, I don't even think that that's bullshit or just something she says to sound good. Do you know what I mean? Like, I genuinely feel like she wants to be the rap version of Beyonce, where how, what Beyonce was for R&B slash pop music. And I'm not going to lie, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm definitely hoping that she will get to a place where people will be pulling up to see her shows and it will just be like an electric performance. I genuinely think it will be cool to see a woman spit and dance at the same time. Obviously spit bars, not anyway. Moving on. <laughs> but one thing I will end with by saying with Queen Niger, she did also post a little snippet on her IG stories of her in the studio with Babyface a few days ago. And I was really excited to see this. Cause like I said, Queen Niger generally, like, I think she's a good R&B artist. She, she has some really beautiful songs. Um, I, I know I said love is, but Insecure is another good one. Passionate. I really like Butterflies as well as a good song. So I would be really here for her and Babyface collaborating. I did check out an interview with her in the Morning Hustle and she didn't specify whether or not it will be a song on her project or his. She said she's hoping for both. Obviously she would be. So who's to say? I, th- I feel like they are, you know, planning a little something, something but it just hasn't been made yet. So or decided whose project is going to appear on. But it'll be cool. It'll be cool to hear that. So lastly, let's move on to Shensea. 
So Shensea released a new song on the 15th of February. So this song is going to be on her new album. Uh, her album is coming out next month on the 11th of March, and it's going to be called Alpha. So this is one of the promo tracks for it. Um, if you guys are familiar with Shensea and listen to her music, you'll probably know that Lick came out a couple weeks ago with Megan Thee Stallion. Um, so let me just give my two cents on Lick before I go on to her new song, which is called Are You That? Um, so Lick was pretty trash, if you're going to compare it to what Shensea is capable of. However, what I will say is I love Megan's verse on it. I know I'm sounding like a hottie at this point, but I do really like Megan. I know that not everyone is a fan of, you know, the explicit rap these days. I do feel like I don't quite understand why, because I feel like a lot of it was about sex when I was younger anyway. So I generally get very, very confused when people are like, oh, it's all about sex now. I'm like, now? When did that stop? Like, I'm just like, that has always been the case. The fuck? That's what I grew up on in terms of rap. So I'm a little bit confused. Um, but anywho, this is about my opinion. <laughs> so I do fuck with Megan and I genuinely really like her verse on Nick. I think it's one of her best verses that I've heard by her, in my opinion. I don't love the song. The song is not good. It's very lazy in terms of production even the video, the video, actually, I know I sound like I'm, I'm contradicting myself here, but I can understand what people might be indicating with this video because it was very like, you can tell that the intention was to get a reaction as opposed to be creative because it's just tongues everywhere. <laughs> it's just like, I get it's called Lick, but Shensei is a good artist. And I get that this might've been put together very quickly, whatever. But I saw an interview with Shensei, um, it was on Angie, Angie Martin. I, I saw Shensea on Angie Martinez and I saw an interview with Shensea. I saw an interview with Shensea and it was Angie Martinez. I love Angie Martinez's interviews. And I really enjoyed that one. And she was talking about how she was really excited to collaborate with Megan, that she didn't even think that it was going to happen. You know, one of the things like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll link up, we'll have to do something. And then it just never happens. She thought it was going to be like that, but it happened so quickly because Megan genuinely fucks with her. Like she listens to her music and stuff. So Megan's a Shensea fan. So that's why it happened. So I'm like, okay, it probably did happen really quickly then. So I can understand why it wasn't the same type of standard that I'm used to from Shensea. But I still feel like it being your song going on your project, knowing that you do, can do better than this, she should have utilized a Megan Thee Stallion feature better, in my opinion, because Megan came off looking, because uh, Megan sounded a lot better than she did. And I feel like they're both pretty much in the same, you know, like obviously they're very different. It's hard to compare them because Megan's a rapper. Shensei is a dancehall artist who mainly sings. Obviously there's a few bars in there, but, it's a bit of a mixture of rap, but you know, like it's, I would say if I had to categorize her as one of the two it would be singer more than rapper. Um, so it's hard to compare them, but at the same time, it's your album. And this is the biggest artist on your album, arguably, like as in right now doing numbers. But yeah, like I, I, I can't ultimately say that I'm altogether hugely disappointed by Lit because I go back there to hear Megan's verse, but I just was disappointed with Shensea. I saw the backlash that she got from it. I saw that some of her fans are under the impression that she used Dancehall to come up because I think she wasn't, it was her single with Vibes Cartel. But my thing is, I don't know if that's true. I don't think that she purposely went in there to 
use the dancehall scene to pop and then go mainstream and do whatever's. I don't think because when you hear her spit, even her freestyle on Funk Flex on the Hot 97, the, how creative she is with blending the dancehall sound with what's current right now, still being explicit. Okay, so I'll actually take that back because I forgot about that freestyle for a second. So I would give her rapper slash singer because the way she was spitting on there, I was like, oh, I haven't had you rap like this on one of your songs. Wow. <laughs> like I, I really, really like that freestyle that she did on Funk Flex. And I think when you hear how creative she is and how good her songs are, I, I'm not going to lie. I do think she had a genuine passion for the scene and for the dance or sound. I think her money have you make. <laughs> like, you know, she's a mother, um, a, a realist. Like, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I feel like it, there gets to a point where you do what you're passionate about for a bit. And then you have to have a real conversation with yourself and be like, do I still want to continue doing this if it makes me no money? No. So I want to make money. Cool. Let's go with what's popping right now. Hence the Megan the Stallion feature and, you know, the anything verse that she slapped on there. But yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that I agree with that, but from her IG live that she put out afterwards, after the song came out, where she was saying, I never wanted to be the queen of dance or this and that and the other. I feel like those are very intentional words. I never wanted to be the queen of dancehall. So basically, I'm not out here to make the dancehall scene happy. I'm here to do me. And right now, me wants to get to this motherfucking back. <laughs> That's what I heard, but perhaps I am wrong. Where it comes to her single that she just released on the 15th of Feb with 21 Savage, I... It's I... Um, I'm, you know, I didn't really understand. I think my one takeaway was that I didn't understand her saying, are you that hitter over and over again? Because I was like, I thought hitter was a substitute to nigger. And she says nigger in it at some point. So I'm a bit confused as to like why it's not, are you that nigger? I don't, I don't know. It was just a bit weird. Cause I'm like, am I listening to the explicit version? That's the only thing. But apart from that, I'm like, it's all right. I feel like she's blended down her music a little bit to sound more, you know, palatable for the mainstream scene. That's what I'm getting from Lick and Are You That. So I am wondering what her project is going to give, but I'm not going to lie. I'm not excited by these features at all. It is a cock fest up in here. And I just feel like this is our era, ladies. I understand that as a dancehall artist, she's got a, like, obviously, Beanie Man, Sean Paul, obviously. Like, I get it. I don't feel like Offset and Tiger need to be on there. Especially seeing as I didn't like her last song with Tiger. I don't remember what it's called, but she got another song with Tiger that I don't really like. And I feel like when she jumps on tracks with mainstream artists, that's when it's an issue. When she's on a track with another dancehall artist, it's good. But my thing is, Russian is producing this. So I'm like, mm, it, it's, prob it's probably going to be good. And Shensea looks beautiful on the cover. So I'm just looking at it now. I'm like, she looks gorgeous. Like, I really like the cover, the waterfall in the background. Like, it's given. I really like it. It's beautiful. But I'm very upset to not see Spice on here. I know she and Spice have had some past beef, I believe. But I, as far as I know, they're all good now. And it would be great to see them collaborate. I would love to see her collaborate with Steph Don. I just feel like there was a couple opportunities for female collaborations that were missing. And I do understand that Megan is on there, but mm, that's Megan's song, boy. <laughs> Sorry, that's Megan's song. So 
I need a song with another female artist when Shinseya can shine and not just give somebody else a spotlight. Because I do feel like maybe not Megan so much, but maybe her people and her team were like, yeah, like I think it was intentional. I think they wanted Shinseya to scale back and not sound as good as she is so that Megan can, you know, sound better. Because I, I know some of the labels be doing that. And I'm just like, mm. I just don't think, especially for her debut album, come on. But I am intrigued to hear the songs with Beanie Man and Sean Paul. I, will, I won't lie. Uh, the one with Beanie Man is going to be called Henkel Glue. And Lying If I Call It Love featuring Sean Paul. Okay, I'm excited about that one. Oh my God, she's got that same Tiger song on there too. Why is Tiger on here twice? Oh, I didn't even notice that till now. So Tiger's going to have two songs. What the? F Who's Tiger fucking? I'm sorry. I just don't think he needs to be on here, much less two times. Hmm, in a scope. Hmm, what are you, what are you man doing? Because Tiger don't need to be on here like that. I would even be mad at Afrobeats artists like Burner, Burner Boy, Wizkid, Thames. Oh my God, her and Thames, I'd be here for that. Like, I just don't like it at all. But anyway, let me not be negative because at the end of the day, I'm still going to check out the album and I'm still going to talk about it on my podcast. So it is what it is. I let me not be doing the most when it comes to negative negativity because at the end of the day, I like to bring light to people that I like what they're doing. And I do like Shensea and I like her music and I'm very excited to hear Alpha regardless of the fact that it's a sausage party up in here. Still excited. But I just feel like mm, they could have done better. Like I just feel like in this era now... Come on, one other female artist collaborating. But anywho, I've made my point. Like I said, Alpha will be released on the 11th of March. I really suggest that you check it out because I'm sure there will be some bangers on there. Regardless of my disappointment with the features, I'm sure there will be some bangers on there. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely looking forward to it. So with that, we're done with the music segment for today. I got hot sauce in my bag, swag. Okay, so we're on to the entertainment segment. My favorite segment, depending on what's going on that week. Sometimes it's hot topics. This week it's entertainment because I cannot wait to talk about Euphoria. So firstly, I just want to talk about this week's latest episode and then we'll move on to Trouble on Set with the creator, Sam Levinson. So I firstly just want to talk about Lexi choosing violence with this play. It's really funny because they brought this play up a few times throughout the series so far, but like very briefly, like they'll bring it up and Lexi won't really expound much on it, but it kept kind of getting brought up. So you knew it was going to be like, they were floating it for some big moment kind of at some point in the series. But you know, there wasn't really many details shared other than the fact that Lexi was working on the play and it was going to be based on the people in her life. Mostly based, obviously she's Cassie, that bitch. I'm just going to call Cassie that bitch from now on because fuck Cassie. But anyway, um, she's that bitch's sister. <laughs> so obviously we knew it was going to be mainly dragging her. Um, but yeah, like it was maybe going to be one or two people that might not be so pleased at their characterization or like, the way she depicted them in this play. But I was here for it as a writer because I write as well. I was like, sis, do you. But there were a couple of times that the play was brought up that I was thinking to myself, did, does, has Lexi told her friends that 
this play is about them? Like, has she actually informed people? I don't think she has. Hmm. But even though I thought that, I was like, no, nah, they probably just haven't actually like unpacked it properly on the show with the conversation, but I'm sure she's told them. So when this episode started and Lexi's all worried and speaking to Fez, well, I'm not sure this was at the beginning. I don't think it was, but when um, we're at the part where Lexi's really worried about how people are going to take it and just worrying on the phone to her almost boo Fez. Um, I was like, sis, you really didn't tell them? So you really wrote this play and you're going to put it on at school and you're going to have your friends in it. Like it's going to be based on your friends and they're going to be in the audience watching and they won't know that they're even going to be in this, much less being happy with the way they're depicted. Oh my God, bitch, you chose violence with capital letters. You know that meme of Lil Bow Wow pressing the red button and it's like, choose right. That was Lexi. Like what? Oh, sis, I'm all for the creative process. I'm all for your journey as a writer. I'm just like, okay, I, I don't understand that choice. I feel like that's potentially causing future issues. But if it's only Cassie who's mad, fuck her. <laughs> That's what I will say about it. Because now I'm actually remembering what their reaction was. Fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> fuck Cassie. Anyway, I was really enjoying seeing Lexi come to life backstage as she was giving orders, though. I actually really related to it. Um, because it's not the easiest process when you're trying to figure out what you want to do in life. I'm sure Lexi is not quite there yet they are still in high school but this is me now speaking about me it's not the easiest journey um when you're trying to figure out what you want to do and then when you have that feeling that you're just like oh shit this is it this is it this is what I'm supposed to do it's like oh wow I'm alive like I've come alive because if you guys watch Euphoria Lexi and this is why she's one of the most intriguing characters to me she comes across as a friend that everybody needs without saying very much. It's very weird. I guess her presence does a lot of the speaking for us because she's always there and she's always got a comforting energy, but she doesn't actually really give much away. But you can see a lot in her mannerisms and her facial expressions when she's around Cassie that she don't fuck with that bitch. I and mean, who does? Anywho, sorry, Cassie Slander coming up shortly. But yeah, I just... It's funny because I can't really think of anything specific she said to be like, oh, I like her. Does that make sense? But I really do fuck with her character and just seeing her kind of like, even to the point where she was kind of a dickhead to one of the guys back when she was like, a blind three-year-old could be better than you. I said, sis, I, you don't have to go that far. Like, we can be nice. We can be polite, you know? <laughs> but I love it. I love this for you. And I think it was just absolutely necessary. And for me, my favorite fucking character, Maddie, Screaming, Lexi, you're a fucking G from the audience. Just wrapped it up in a neat bow for me. I was just like, yes, Lexi. Maddie did not lie. You a motherfucking G and you did that. But yeah, I just wouldn't have gone with the route of keeping it a secret until, surprise, you're in the audience. Like, yeah, that wasn't, you know, for the future, fake character Lexi. If you do plan on writing any more plays, maybe tell the people that are going to be in it if you are in their lives. But I loved her mom laughing and reacting like completely authentically in the audience. Like she was fully the embodiment of you're doing great, sweetie. Like it was just so funny to me. I was like, oh, I love that her mom is happy with it. I think that that will be a great comfort to Lexi because Cassie is probably going to tear her head off in the next episode. But I'm so sorry 
And let's move on. No, let's not move on to Cassie Slander. I'm so sorry. Let me calm down and not get ahead of myself because I know I got shit to say about that. But I do because I mentioned him briefly. Lexi and Fez, so cute, right? So cute. And I just, I'm bringing that up because I actually don't really have much to say about Fez um, connected to this episode because Fez wasn't really in it much, you know, aside from him trying to pick whether or not to wear a tie. And I was like, um, if you're trying to go fancy, it's always better to wear a tie. Don't know why you're asking this bitch who never leaves the house, but fine. So I saw the tweet that was literally like, this is exactly it. Like, it's so, so fucking accurate. Holly Babalola, who is an author as well. I said as well, I'm not an author yet. I'm a writer for now, but I will be an author soon, manifesting it. Just, you know, trying to tackle my dream of becoming a talk show host first. (laughs) I tried to do both at the same time and I drove myself insane. So I said, let me rest for now and choose sanity and do one thing at a time. Anyway, back on Bolu, uh, or Bolu's tweet. Fezco is the ideal writer girl's boyfriend. A chill sounding board that only answers questions that are actively asked. It's always interested and is fascinated by your craft. This, this is the tweet. And she followed it up very closely by writing in brackets and crucially dot, 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 not a writer himself. Yes, we don't need that. And if you are, imagine like, I'm so sorry. I'm just thinking, imagine if I did have a boyfriend that was also a writer. Let me catch that nigga writing your instead of you apostrophe R-E. I'll flame him. Anyway, it's over. <laughs> like, can you imagine? No, I'm so sorry. I'm just having these random thoughts at this point. Um, so I don't even remember what I'm saying now. I'm just picturing vocabulary wars with my imaginary writer boyfriend. So what is to come of Fez in the next episode? I don't know, but I really hope. Oh my God. If Fez dies and it's all because that bitch didn't want to say nothing. Like he hadn't been keeping a roof over your head for weeks and shit. And you're really going to get him? Oh, let me not. We're talking about this episode and we're talking about Lexi. Actually, I pretty much said what I had to say on Lexi. Uh, Great. Enjoyed the play. (laughs) I didn't know how great of an idea it was to put that much of Rue's journey with addiction in it. But at the end of the day, you write these things to give your perspective on the things that go on in your life. Your close friend struggling with addiction is also going to play on you as well obviously it's not going to affect you like it would rue but you know hey i'm gonna i'm gonna have some shit to say about it (laughs) like you know so i was kind of like and i think it ultimately makes you feel better as a viewer when you see that rue didn't really take it personally honestly the only person because you could tell maddie wasn't really a huge fan of the way she was depicted in every step of the show but ultimately i think they were just like fuck it like it's good we enjoyed it she did a good job and i think everyone enjoyed seeing Nate so fucking uncomfortable. I'm so sorry, but at the end where he said, why is everyone laughing? It's so homophobic. I was like, no, you are homophobic. That's the joke. (laughs) Like what? It's literally a fuck you to you because you were the only one uncomfortable, but fine. Didn't miss that point, obviously. Anyway, that's how I took it anyway. I'm wondering what you guys thought, any Euphoria watchers. What did you make of, I need a hero. I'm looking out for a hero to the end of the night. Anyway, yeah, what did you think of that part? Because that's exactly how I took it. Like, this was a big demonstration to how homophobic Nate is, essentially. Because everyone else was loving it. <laughs> and Nate was just there, looking mad, uncomfortable, looking down. And Cassie, there, like the bird she is. Like, Nate, please. Okay, fine. I brought this bitch up enough. 
Let's get to it. Because I'm pretty sure that was next anyway. Why won't anybody let Maddie fuck Cassie up already? Do you know how much it infuriates me every time Cassie says, you weren't even together, bitch. They broke up for like 2.5 seconds. If I were Maddie, I would slap the shit out of her just for saying that. Like, bitch, barely. And you clearly wanted to fuck him when I was with him. You know what's so funny, though? Nate literally only fucked Cassie because he could. That's the only reason. So it's so hilarious to me, the way she strolled into school, hanging on his arm like she was the, ne- like, like she was the shit. I said, oh, you thought you won? You're such a bird. You're so sad. Ugh. See, this is exactly why, Cassie is exactly why you can't have friends, like girlfriends that are too obsessed with dick, like too obsessed with man. That's mad scary that you could fuck your best friend's boyfriend and still play the victim and act like people did some shit to you. And I think it was the episode before where, yeah, was it two episodes ago or the last one? No, it had to be two episodes ago where Kat said, she would have always stayed away from Cassie. Something along the lines of she would have stayed away from Cassie because she looks like the type of girl to fuck your best to fuck her best friend's boyfriend. I said she kind of does, doesn't she? <laughs> I was looking at her, I was like, I don't like to, you know, put that on women just by a look, because people were so judgmental about women already. But I literally the, the next time I looked at Cassie when Kat said that, I said, Yeah, I see what Kat's saying still. <laughs> yeah, she she has that look of someone that you maybe wouldn't go to the shop and leave her in the same room as your boyfriend. I don't know. I'm I'm joking. Honestly, I wouldn't have a boyfriend or friend that I'd feel like I can't even leave them in the room together. And if some shit go down when I do happen to see them together, then fuck both of them. But yeah. Ugh, that bitch. Sorry, back to using her original name. I don't even know why at the end she was breathing all heavy on the glass like that. Like, oh, you have the right to be mad for what? (laughs) So what's your argument? That you're upset that this play that your sister put on that you didn't even give a fuck about or ask her how it was going? Ask her, does she need help with it? Ask her, hey, oh, you're writing a play. What's it about? Absolutely no fucking interest in your sister at all. Until her play makes your ex-best friend's ex-boyfriend mad and he breaks up with you. So you can no longer say that you have your best friend's leftovers for a boyfriend. That's what you're mad about, bitch? Oh my God, get the fuck away from Lexi with that bullshit. (laughs) Like seriously. Ugh. Just at the end when she was just breathing mad heavy, like it almost scared me. I was like, is this about to turn into a horror? What is going on here? And I was just like, oh man, with your hot breath, move. <laughs> it's just like, what is going on? I just, it, this bitch is so infuriating. I just, why are you always acting like somebody did some shit to you? Why are you always walking around like you're some victim? Even even her mum was like, uh, maybe don't fuck your best friend's man and then expect everyone to want to fuck with you. Like maybe, perhaps, maybe don't do that again if you want people to be in your life. And the funny thing is she wasn't even that mad about Maddie. She's still not that upset that Maddie don't want to talk to her. She's just mad when Nate airs her. This fuck boy who is incapable of really loving anybody. Look at this man. He blatantly has issues. The fact that you're so obsessed with him loving you, like, it's sad. It's sad. Real sad. Anywho, Maddie for the win. (laughs) 
I want to say Maddie for the win, but I want to be saying it when she finally fucks her up. I hope that happens. I'm so sorry. Please don't get us to the season finale and Maddie does not get to put hands on that bitch. I'll end this by saying the Cassie part of it anyway. When she wouldn't even open the door when Maddie was chasing her down, I understand. I mean, Maddie looks like she, she fights fights. Like, I just, I'm just saying, when Maddie does eventually put hands on her, I'm manifesting it at this point because I don't know if they've written it in. I fucking hope so because it's so unrealistic to her character that Cassie would be walking around and Maddie never runs up on her. I'm so sorry. But when that does happen, Maddie doesn't appear like the type of girl that's just going to pull head. You know what I mean? Especially when, you know, this is a you fucked my man type of fight. It's going to be serious. So I do understand the fear, but really, bitch, you did this. This is a bold ass move. Now you're hiding in the in 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 the bathroom like a pussy, or is it in the bedroom? I don't remember if she was in her bedroom or the bathroom, but either way, you're hiding like a pussy. Really? Wow. No respect for you. None. Zero. But anywho, I love Euphoria. I'm really really enjoying season two a lot more than season one. Actually, I did like season one, but I did think it was as much as I appreciated the abstractness. Is it abstractness? <laughs> it's abstractity? Anyway, I'm pretty sure it's abstractness. If it's not a word, I apologize. But yeah, I appreciated. I, I like TV shows that, you know, kind of help you, like you kind of have to do the thinking to figure things out. It's not going to be just painted for you right in front of you. Uh, sometimes, you know, I watch TV to escape over merciless overthinking, you know? Like I'm trying to be told a story here. So I did feel like in season one, it left you to do a lot of the work yourself rather than plainly tell you what the story was. I feel like they have, in season two, been a lot more blatant about what the story is and really told it to you. Um, I, I I hope that makes sense. Obviously, I might watch season one now and change my mind, but that's a lot of what happened in season one, like, for me. But yeah, for me, I feel like season two really has, has just been giving. And I just want to start off by saying something positive about the show. I mean, I know I've been clearly being very emphatic and excited about the plot. So clearly I like the show. But, you know, I just I just didn't want it to be all doom and gloom about a show that I really like. It's not really doom and gloom on the show. It's just, ugh. Like, when I read this article, I was like, ew to Sam Levinson, if this is true. Ew. Ew, ew, ew. Ugh. So many pervs in the industry, man. Why? Anyway, this article came out on Friday the 18th of February on Distractify. It's written by Alison DeGruce. De Grouch. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, but well done to you, Alison. I really enjoyed the article. But yeah, it was disappointing to read that uh, even in a show with this many young, powerful female characters, a man still fucking shit up behind the scenes. Anyway, I'm just going to read a portion of it all the way to the end. So if you've been keeping up with the behind the scenes drama on Euphoria, then you know that Barbie Ferreira, who plays Kat for you guys, allegedly butted heads with show creator and writer Sam Levinson. Supposedly, Barbie stormed off the set and Sam cut her screen time in season two. This long time rumor seems to speak some truth, as Barbie's character Kat Hernandez has been scaled back with an incoherent narrative in the second season. Very true. Literally no plot for Kat. It's sickening because she was my favourite character last season. And I'm not mad that it's moved to Maddie. Like It was actually like, I think that's why Maddie's my favourite character. She's so layered. Like because she comes across in a way that you would assume she's the mean girl slash bitch of the show, but she's actually not. She's just, you know, says things in a certain manner and has a certain 
you know, attitude that people can misconstrue for being a bitch. Deep down, she's very pure and kind hearted. And I think that ultimately was demonstrated to us last season when we saw that her circle of friends isn't the typical popular crowd. I was like, okay, there's got to be some substance to her as opposed to just being, hey, that pretty girl that's with the quarterback, you know? But, which is exactly why, like, I love a nuanced character. Um, But I just loved how sexually confident Kat was. I don't know. There was just something about that that made me really intrigued by her. So I'm really disappointed that her character wasn't explored more this season. And if it's all down to Sam being a bitch because he couldn't perv on her, my God. Oh, I'm fuming. Anyway, let me continue with this article. Sorry, guys. Though Barbie remained tight-lipped about the drama, because obviously she wants to keep her job at the end of the day, the Daily Bee spoke with several production members who claimed that she walked off the set at least two times. Additionally, Barbie also stepped away after she slipped and sprained her ankle while filming the hot tub scene in episode four of Shit. Mm, not surprised. That was a messy scene and gross. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to go back to... No, I'm not going back to Cassie, but ew! You guys know what I'm talking about if you saw that scene. Gross ass bitch. Really? In the hot tub? Ugh. Anyway, moving on. By episode six, viewers were catching on to Barbie and Sam's feud. Towards the beginning of the episode, Barbie's character Kat attempted to break up with her boyfriend, Ethan, telling him that she had a terminal brain disorder. Yeah, that scene was weird. I was like, mm, really? Kat's going to do this? This is odd. Um, Though Ethan eventually pulled the plug on their relationship, fans were baffled at how out of context the scene was. There was no build-up, making it such a random moment in the episode. I wouldn't say that the breakup was random because we knew that she wasn't feeling Ethan from, I think, the end of last season. So we knew that eventually a breakup was coming. But yeah, completely gaslighting him with the fact that she was blatantly trying to break up with him with a lie that she had a terminal illness was very weird, especially since it was so fucking obvious she was lying. It was like, yeah, Kat wouldn't do this. Kat's not dumb. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, this this is weird. Um, I understand that she is still a teenage girl and teenage girls do stupid things. But like I said, Kat doesn't give me the type of character to know when she's kind of been rumbled and to still pursue with this dumbass, ridiculous eye when you could just be, you know, respectful enough it's going to be essentially your last conversation with this guy. The least you could do is respect him enough to tell him the truth and to say, hey, I'm not really thinking like that. You don't even have to say that. Just break up with him, you know? Just say, it's not for me anymore. But brain, brain disorder? Really, Sam? Okay, cool. Friday night alum Minka Kelly joined season two of Euphoria in a recurring role, but that didn't stop her from encountering some uncomfortable moments on the set. Minka Kelly, if you guys don't know, is the older neighbour, the older woman who is um i i guess maddie's helping her out i'm still a bit confused as to what that is supposed to bring in the future i'm side-eyeing her at the moment because anytime a grown person chooses to chill with a teenager and not spend time with people at her own age i'm looking "Mm, potential groomer no i don't know anyway in conversation with vanity fair minka revealed that sam wanted her to be nude in her first scene sam thought it would be more interesting if my dress fell to the ground minka recounted at the time she fought back That was my first day as a guest on this new show and I just didn't feel comfortable standing there naked. Minka's confession confession comes after Sydney Sweeney's. Sydney Sweeney plays Cassie. I'm not going to call her that bitch because, you know, Sydney might be a nice person who would never fuck her best friend's man. Uh, Sydney Sweeney's who told The Independent that the script for her character Cassie required more nudity than she was comfortable with. There are moments where Cassie was supposed to be shirtless and I would tell Sam, I really don't think that's necessary here. Sydney recalled, I'm really loving 
that women are, you know, being very careful about the type of nude scenes that are shot and thinking, hmm, is this needed or do you just want to perv on my tits kind of thing? Because it's needed. Like, if anyone is aware of the Noah Clark allegations, for one, that comes to mind immediately where it comes to taking advantage of your creativity and your position as a powerful director to be a sexual deviant. But yeah, I'm glad about that because I don't think we've seen Cassie's boobs. So yeah, I I think that's a really, really great thing that they have the confidence to tell him, yeah, maybe not to ease today, you know? Anyway, I would tell Sam, I don't really think that's necessary here. Sydney recalled. He was like, okay, we don't need it. However, Sydney added that Sam was never trying to get nude seen because when she didn't want to do it, Sam didn't make her. Hmm. I feel like for a few women to have a problem with the same thing, it gives mm, inappropriate. The further behind the scenes drama stems from the really long work days. Numerous sources informed the Daily Beast that everyone would be working anywhere from 15 to 17 hours. That is a long last day, especially on a film set. They also noted that Sam rarely came to set with a shot list, which is a detailed account of every camera shot the director wants during scenes and helps keep production running smoothly which often factored into the long set days. So it sounds like this guy's really disorganized and he's just blagging it as being a creative. (laughs) Because, yeah, why would you not come with a shot list? That's weird. And to even be changing things last minute all the time, like, I understand. Actually, I don't even think that was in this article. I did read the interview with Minka Kelly that they mentioned. And, yeah, there wasn't really too much detail but she did say that he would change things last minute a lot and a lot of people found that frustrating but I am confident with the director who's confident enough to change his mind last minute I was like yeah it sounds to me like you don't like him but you have to act like you do for the sake of this interview and the fact that you're on the show because it sounds like she was very excited to be called so it's not exactly an opportunity you're going to sabotage for yourself and she got the call from Sam directly so yeah I can understand why. I feel like she definitely left some things to be anticipated by re- by reading between the lines of what she said. Sam, I really hope that, you know, be as unprepared and disorganised as you like. I mean, don't. I wouldn't recommend it. But really and truly, the issue is that your you have actors storming off your set with rumours of the fact that their characters have been changed about their plots have been fucked with because you're being a messy bitch basically and I don't really know what else to say like I think it's pretty obvious how shit that is Jeremy like you know when you're like hmm let me conclude my thoughts on that but it's pretty obvious what I think he's a dickhead like if that's true for it to be mentioned two or three times by different actresses that are these nude scenes necessary? They're definitely trying to paint a story, in my opinion. Because if you weren't, you wouldn't even mention it really and truly. So for three, I'm definitely, well, two technically, because Barbie Ferreira hadn't actually said anything. So I will say that. But if she's storming off set, that's not for a small reason, I, I would assume. If she's storming off set from a man that we already have heard rumors about him being frustrating, then. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, her character plot, like I said, don't make no fucking sense at all. Like, literally, Kat's done nothing this season. Nothing but have the ick. That's it. That's all she's given us. Just the ick. Anyway. I mean, Ethan has given her the ick. But you you get me. So, Euphoria, very much looking forward to the next episode. One thing I will say about Kat, I did leave this out because I didn't see it for myself. I saw some people saying online that she was back to her sex videos. 
sex work. I don't know what to call it. Online videos that are sexual. OnlyFans adjacent content. Sorry, I, I, you know, it's late. I'm tired. I don't really know what else to call it. But she was back to doing those. And I was like, when did this happen? Because people were saying this at the end. And I was like, I know when I watch certain shows, I tend to be doing things in the background. But Euphoria is not, I, I really like, tr- really pay attention when it comes to Euphoria. Because like, you have to. It's not that show where you can just have shit on the background. So I was like, I thought we ended it with Cassie and her hot breath on the glass. I don't remember Kat doing that. Where I remember, she was still at school. I must, I need to go back. I don't think Kat left the school early. Anywho, we'll see next week, child. But yeah, Euphoria, check it out, you guys. It's really good. I'm probably, at, on my podcast, I'm probably going to do a, an episode completely focusing on this season when it's completely finished and giving spe- specific and giving specific emphasis on the female characters and how well I think the actresses did and, oh, just what a marvellous, incredible job Zendaya did. As a writer and as an actress like I'm just oh my god I did not the performance she's given I didn't even know she had that range like fuck me Zendaya you really really oh you you went in so yeah we're definitely gonna have to do an episode completely focused on euphoria um when the season is over but for now let's get on to the next topic which is love is blind so I just want to briefly talk about this because I really don't want to be giving too much my energy to it but I just want to talk about that small conversation that Dipsy and Ayana had on Love is Blind where they were talking about not wanting to convince the their other halves to see their worth that would be Shake and what what's my man's name Jarrett anyway let me not even get started on him because I'm already tired but I was just watching it like, really? We're really going to do this played out narrative for the sake of selling a reality show again? Like that women of colour are just, the women of colour on the show are just unwanted. Like, oh, it's just so boring at this point. And I know a lot of people say that they do these things to sell the show because they know we're going to talk about it and they know we're going to speak on it. Honestly, number one, I don't think that many women speak on it as much as people would think. Because it's it's old now. Like, it's it's we've been seeing it. It's not even anything new to say. So, I mean, that happens every once in a while, but I don't think it's like a big thing as much as people say it is, really and truly. It's more pathetic seeing a lot of the reality shows try and then feel like, okay, that failed. Let's actually go to the drawing board and be a bit more creative with this. It's like, yeah, like you should have done. Do you know what I mean? But honestly, it's not even true, that whole thing people say that it's needed to sell the show. I mean, every show is different. Every every business is different. But honestly, all you have to do, especially when it comes to reality shows specifically, because I'm speaking on reality shows specifically here, just put women of color in it. We'll do the rest. Specifically to black women, put black women in it. We will do the rest. Honestly, we're going to talk about it on Twitter. We're going to talk about it in our group chats and we're going to spread it through word of mouth like we always do. And that's, I know what people are banking on when they do these, when they do, roll these narratives and make the black woman the one that doesn't get no man. And it's like, or, you know, gets a man that don't, obviously doesn't really want her just so everyone can clown her. And it's like, really? I'm supposed to sit here and believe that Ayana and Dipti are like, what, ugly ducklings? These fucking gorgeous women? Are you out of your mind? 
Like, I'm just like, and I know that they didn't really specifically say that, but that's that's what it feels like it's giving when it's always done. Do you know what I mean? Like they're trying to portray a narrative that we're like the ones who aren't picked or the ones that have to settle for less. It's mad frustrating. It's just boring and do better. That's all I have to say. So I am really enjoying Love is Blind, but I feel like that was a desperate attempt to try and sell the show through our commentary about it. And I'm actually quite glad to see that. I'm seeing a few tweets every now and again, but people aren't really doing the most about it. And I feel like black women are becoming more aware of like, yeah, if we really, really don't fuck with this, don't give any energy to it. Because whether it's negative or whether it's positive, they don't care. It's selling the show. So I feel like the best we can do is not do anything. I'm a huge Royal Housewives fan, um, specifically Potomac, Beverly Hills and Atlanta, of course, and Salt Lake City now. And I, for one, saw Black Women's Power when Jenny's racist tweets came out and Black women just stopped watching the show, stopped YouTubing about it, stopped reviewing it, and their ratings went down. And that's why they felt the pressure to fire her. And I think that really showed me something because that was only recently and now I'm just like yeah and now I just realized I contradicted myself by even talking about it but it is what it is I felt like I just need to get that off because I really really try and stay in the light but sometimes you just need to highlight oh you know why it was so disappointing because Love is Blind was good the first season and they didn't need to really play into any of that I feel like it was just a good show it was an interesting concept and I feel like they tried too hard to study what works on reality shows and roll out the same thing instead of actually just producing a good show. We don't even mind a fake argument or a fake fight as long as it's entertaining. We don't even care to do that. But the whole, oh, wow, this person is undesirable thing, all based on fact. And the way they always have a blonde white woman that's somehow the victim, even though no one did shit to you. Cassie syndrome. That must be what this sickness is called. Look at that, we've come full circle, this bitch. Anywho, mini ran over, we move. So, I'm just going to end the entertainment segment by talking about Harlem. Not Harlem, the city in New York. Harlem, the show, which is based on the city in New York, shock. Um, so, Harlem has been renewed for another season. I'm really happy about that. Amazon made the announcement last week. I'm really, really happy about that. I can't lie. I really enjoyed the show. Um, shout out to the creator, Tracy Oliver, who left us with a quote. When I walked into a bar in Harlem and overheard folks excitedly discussing the show, I knew we had a hit. Harlem has resonated with so many people and I'm so beyond grateful to Amazon for giving it a second season. Most of all, I'm excited to reunite with the beautiful cast. Oh, I'm excited too, Trace. <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't know how many were. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really happy about that. I really enjoyed Harlem. I think we need shows like that that like depiction of reality like you want to include the things that we face in it you don't want to make it a fairy story because you know if it's supposed to mimic reality then put the shit that we go through every day in it but not bringing it into the forefront so much it's not the main focus the main focus is these women living their lives and sisterhood i think was the theme modern day sisterhood that was the vibe it gave me and i really 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 liked it um, I know not everybody loved Shaniqua Shandai's character who plays Andy. I understand because, oh my God, that bitch got my nerves in places. Like specifically with the way she treat her friend who Grace Byers plays. I don't remember her name. I apologize. because I actually didn't like the way they were doing her. Like, I don't like the fact that they make people that 
are privileged and have money, just they make them feel like they have no issues. I feel like we've heard enough of people's experiences and seen enough to know that money does not equal happiness. It doesn't mean that bitch is not struggling with other things. Do you know what I mean? So I didn't like the fact that she was taking advantage of her good nature and her money and making her feel like she didn't have a right to complain because she had money. But like, hello, I have a bum sleeping on my couch. So clearly my life is not perfect. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, I don't even want to call a bum because I actually did fuck with Angie. And that was what, that was the point I wanted to make because I understand why people find her infuriating because she really got on my nerves. Like the part with the Uber, I was like, bitch, really? When she just told you that she can't ask her mum for money. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, so she was definitely taking advantage of her friends. Like, if you're going to characterise as a friend, she wasn't a very good one. However, as a character, Angie was funny. (laughs) I like Angie. You need a character like Angie. You need someone to make it light and funny sometimes, you know? Um, And she's, yeah. I just think she... Her character would be missed. As much as people say they find her infuriating, her character would definitely be missed. So shout out to all the ladies. Shout out to Megan Good. It was good to see you on screen again, girl. I haven't seen you on TV in a while. Um, Grace Byers, um, if you guys don't know, she played Boo Boo Kitty in Empire. And two actresses that I haven't seen either the work before, Harlem, but Shaniqua Shandai, who played Angie, and Jerry Johnson, who played Ty. Shout out to you, ladies. I love the show and to Tracy Oliver that you created such a great thing. I'm really, really looking forward to season two. I need to see what's going to happen with Megan and my man. Sorry, I call her Megan because, of course, I just, I don't remember. Camille, Camille's her name. Um, But yeah, I need to know what happened with her and my man, the guy who is a chef, but moonlights as a bouncer in P-Valley. And also, just while we're on the subject of Harlem, I do also want to shout out Miss Banks, Kaz Kamwi, Wumi Bello, Queen Mojo, and Audrey from the Receipts Podcast, better known as Just Call Me Audrey. I'm a fan of the Receipts Podcast, could you tell? Um, I really am enjoying Talk That Talk, which is uh, a YouTube series that they're doing at the moment on Amazon Prime's channel, which I guess the premise is to promote the show, but it's on, it's attached to the concept of a roundtable discussion. So these ladies, so Miss Banks, Kaz, Wumi, Queen Mojo and Audrey, they all sit on a panel and they have a roundtable discussion and they kind of take themes and topics from the, sh- the episode, but episode by episode and draw back on their personal experiences and then kind of bring it back around to educate younger women. It really warmed my heart to see Audrey say that she felt like she was meant to do this in terms of like educating young women. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. That's really nice. And I do think that that is absolutely necessary. So I feel like when we were younger, we always heard about relationships and love and sex from from the patriarchal point of view. And who wants to hear more of that? Really and truly. But yeah, I really am enjoying the videos. And I've actually, Queen Mojo is the only one that I wasn't really aware of her content. And I think she's really funny. Like she's really making me laugh. So yeah, I just think something like this is is great to see, especially being all black women. Obviously it has to be being Harlem, but yeah, like I really like that. And honestly, I think Audrey should do more things like this. I I love seeing her as a host because, you know, with the receipts, there is the three of them and you forget how funny Audrey is when you're also getting Tolly T and Milena as well. So when I was just kind of seeing her in her own element, I was thinking, oh, wow, this is like the most I've heard from Audrey without Tolly and Milena. And I really like seeing her kind of host something it would really cool to be seeing her do more things like this i think so yeah i'm really really enjoying it so shout out to you guys the only thing i would say is that i would love for them to talk about the the show just a little bit more because they don't really touch on the, the what's happening in the actual show they'll like i said drawing from 
their own personal experiences mostly. But I would be really, because, you know, as someone who's very passionate about film and TV, that's why I get so invested in the characters and I really like put myself in it. Like I'm them kind of thing. So I really like, I'm, I'm someone that really enjoys hearing other people's perspectives and thinking about it and talking about it. So I'd really love to know what they think of the characters, what they think of the show, what they think about the specific, certain specific parts that happen in the show. And yeah, like even in the last episode where they were talking about like where the guy was asking for his ass to be eaten. Sorry, I'm just, I just had to pause and laugh because I was literally just thinking about Miss Banks' face, the way she screwed up her face as soon as they mentioned that. And I know she was just thinking, I'm way too pretty for this face to be all buried up in a guy's behind. <laughs> like, I was just like, uh, she was like, ew, ass, no. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's my only thing I would say, my only note. But I'm really, really enjoying Talk That Talk and... Love me some Harlem. I might actually rewatch it now. I'm getting myself all in the mood. So, yeah, happy to see that it's coming back. And I probably will actually maybe do some reviews on it. Who knows? But let's move on to hot topics now. I got hot sauce in my bag. Swag. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Okay, so on to hot topics now. This is probably usually the most jam-packed segment, but I only really have a couple of things that I cared about to talk about. Uh, so this week, we're going to start with Wendy Williams. We're starting kind of sad. I, it's sad for me, anyway. I was sad to read the news, even though I wasn't surprised. But the Wendy Williams show will be coming to an end this June 2022. Uh, com broke the news with an exclusive on Monday. It might have been Sunday night. You know how it is. I'm over here in the UK. Things are going on while we're sleeping. So it could have been Sunday night. I'm not too sure. But I read the news on Monday. And there have been reports and rumors on Wendy's health for a while now. You know, if you are familiar with Wendy or even saw her Lifetime movie, you'll know that she had a battle with drug addiction for a little while. And that there was reports and rumors that she may have relapsed after... Kevin Hunter showed his ass. She was acting pretty erratically and not really, I, I don't want to say herself, not herself, because, you know, 
Wendy is a, a different kind of personality anyway. But yeah, like you could tell if you, I, I watch her Hot Topics and her show every once in a while. Um, not as much now, hardly ever now. That's not on it. But yeah, I do enjoy her Hot Topics segments. And I honestly, I, I've, I've said earlier that my I've been dreaming about being a talk show host for, since I was a kid really. And for me, Oprah was always the goat to me. But Wendy Williams introduced a new type of talk show to me and her format and the way her show is laid out is exactly the kind of concept I would have in mind if I was to start my own talk show today, you know? So for her, like, cause I don't even really like her like that, like personality wise, like the things that she says, I'm like, why are you saying that? <laughs> like, why? And you know, she hardly ever fact checks or actually Googles anything. And I'm like, I know I understand you don't have to for your fan base, but you know, come on, a little Google in the car. So you actually sound like you know what the fuck you're talking about. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like I'm a stan or anything, but she's a force to be reckoned with. She's always had my respect. Like the show that she's built, there's no daytime TV show like that. A lot of these talk shows try and follow her blueprint, if you ask me. So it's a huge thing that her show is coming to an end. And it's really sad to say, I, I don't like to think about the fact that her health might have started to take a toll after that incident with Kevin Hunter. That makes me so sad in my heart, honestly, because there was a lot of rumors coming out that he you know, was very violent towards her and abused her. And, you know, you essentially see that glimpses of that in, in the Lifetime movie. So yeah, last year there was a report as well that there was an incident at her house where they had to call the paramedics and the ambulance because uh, she was drunk and just acting erratic and she was naked actually. And I think a lot of her execs were there. So she kind of, yeah, like caused a scene around the people that run her show is, the rumors from a couple of years ago. I think it was, um, I think it was the end of 2020, just before 2021. So I think that's when the report came out. I'm not even really 100% sure now, but I just remember hearing that and reading a couple articles and seeing some videos about it. And then the reports came out that she has been suffering from Graves disease last year. So very, very sad uh, because man, that purple chair, it's Wendy's man. No one else can sit there. I'm kind of like, I'm seeing a lot of people excited that Sherry Shepard is gonna be kind of replacing her. And I'm like, really? Because I've been watching her filling in for her and I, I wasn't that entertained. I, I'm really surprised that they essentially went in that direction because she had the highest ratings of any replacement. And obviously Sherry Shepard is a very big personality. She's funny and she's gonna, I enjoyed honestly seeing her act, but yeah, seeing her do host a talk show, I just was like, mm, I don't know, it just, Maybe it's because we're looking at it from it's her filling in from went for Wendy. So maybe on her own show, it would be different. So I am intrigued to see what Sherry will bring. And here I am talking about Sherry Shepard. You can tell I'm so, so excited about this topic because I'm just jumping ahead. So before we get into Sherry Shepard, who will be replacing her, let me actually read the statement that her people gave in People, <laughs> funnily enough. So this is a statement from Howard Bragman, who is basically saying Willie, Wendy Williams understands why the decision has been made. I'm not sure if this is a decision. I'm trying to read between the lines of what I'm seeing, um, but I, I'm I'm kind of confused about whether or not this is something that's actually been decided and agreed upon by Wendy or whether her her reps have actually just acted for her and, and seen like, yeah, like 
we're not like it's over kind of thing in which it's very fucked up if that's the case but let's see so Howard Bragman says it's been a challenging time for Wendy as she deals with her health issues she is incredibly grateful to Demar Mercury to Sherry and everybody else who has supported the show through this time Bragman said she more than anyone understands the reality of syndicated television you can't go to the marketplace and sell a show that's the maybe Wendy show he continued yeah that's true she understands why this decision was made from a business point of view and she has been assured by Demar Mercury that she should get her held to a point where she can host again and should her desire be that she hosts again that she'll be back on TV at that time hmm yeah, that does sound like a lot of speaking for Wendy, if you ask me. Because if she understands that, why isn't she making a statement? Like, I understand that she's ill, but there hasn't been anything indicating that she's not capable of making a statement. And that much seems to be the case because she's spoken out after this statement came about. And I wasn't too, too sure at first. I, initially, I was thinking, I feel like Wendy's having a hard time of letting her show go for, <laughs> honestly... Like I, I can definitely sit here and say I understand why. You know, she built that off of her name and her reputation alone, literally just by being Wendy on the radio and cultivating the connections that she had. And, and whether you love her or hate her, being an entertaining personality. So of course it's, you, you're not just gonna let it go. It's part of you, you know, it's not just a show. It's part of you. So you're not gonna let it go like that. I understand. But I really felt like she wasn't prioritizing her health as much as she probably should, because I was thinking, I really, really hope she does that. Because ultimately, if you don't take your health seriously, you might get to a place where there won't be no show anyway, because then there won't be a you, you know? How is there gonna be a Wendy Williams show if there's no Wendy Williams? So you really need to prioritize your health because it does seem like she's very ill. However, if this hasn't been agreed upon by Wendy, this is some bullshit for them making this move on her behalf. But yeah, I guess Wendy Williams decided to be a rapper for the day and made some notes on her IG story. Mr. Bragman, although I appreciate your concerns and respect you immensely, I have not authorized you to make any statements on my behalf regarding my current status with Debmar Mercury. Again, thanks for your continuing concern and support. Hmm. So now I'm probably reading between the lines. I'm like, is she saying that he wasn't, this decision is not final? Or is she saying she didn't authorize him to make a statement? Because that's all she said in her notes. Hmm. Maybe my original thought process is right, that she's just having trouble letting go of her show. Because ultimately, whether or not you agreed for him to make the statement or not, if it's final, if the decision's final, babe, it is what it is. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, Unfortunately, that doesn't really necessarily change anything. <laughs> like whether or not you agreed to like, of course he, st he still shouldn't have done it unauthorized, but ultimately what's the difference if the decision is final? Anyway, it's very sad. I'm not gonna lie. Again, like I said, I'm not really sure of how I feel about Sherry Shepard taking over. I wasn't really entertained by her filling in. I actually really enjoyed Remy Ma and Fat Joe taking over much more. I really like that. I don't know. There's something about, uh, you know, rappers that have been in the industry for a long time and, you know, know what to say and what not to say and are familiar enough as well with what is 
good for daytime TV and hot topics, just kind of getting into a conversation. And obviously being Remy and Fat Joe, knowing each other so well and being such close friends, they had instant rapport and it, it was just, I thought it was really entertaining. I really enjoyed it. And I like the fact that Remy is not scared. I actually really like Remy as a, I feel like she should do more things like that because I enjoy seeing her on State of the Culture. So I feel like she should do more talk show type of things because there is definitely room for women that aren't scared to kind of go against the popular opinion. Cause I feel like a lot of women, I wouldn't say are, a lot of people are really, but I feel like women really like, because most, unless you're an asshole, you don't really want to offend anybody. So you kind of tread carefully like, should I say that? Should I say this? Is that going to be looked at in that way? If I say it like that, like we're very meticulous with our shit. I know I am. <laughs> so I'm sure a lot of women that speak to the public every day, they're very, very aware of what they're saying. There's something about someone like Remy who is smart, so she won't say something wildly ignorant and dumb, but she's not afraid to be like, hey, I think this, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I really enjoy seeing that from her. I wouldn't even be mad at State of the Culture returning, just, you know, without Joe Budden. I think we can do without his opinion for a bit. Uh, <laughs> just saying. If they were to do some kind of version of maybe the real or the view with like four women, four black women, preferably, and have Remy as one of the panel, uh, I'd say be there. <laughs> I really, really enjoy it. So maybe that's why I enjoyed her and Fat Joe taking over. Um, so yeah, with Sherry, I'm definitely more intrigued to see what her show will bring about. I'm not sure if this is a case of her actually wanting to have a talk show or the exec seeing that she had the highest ratings were like, hey, let's do a replacement show with Sherry Shepard. Because if she doesn't actually want to be a talk show host and sit down every day and talk about these topics, the show is going to be shit. I'm just going to say that. You need somebody who really wants to sit there and talk about these topics. And that's why I didn't really enjoy what she was bringing when she was replacing Wendy because it you it seemed to me that she wasn't really enjoying herself. Like she didn't really want to sit here and talk about these topics. And it's fair, not everybody does. But if you don't, then you're not going to be able to come across like somebody who's going to entertain the viewers. It's, it's all I would say. Um, but a lot of the public were giving their suggestions to replacements before we heard the news about Sherry replacing her. And a lot of people were saying NeNe leaks. I would personally love to see it. NeNe is funny. She's got an attitude, but you know, I'm not friends with the bitch, so I don't really care about that too much. She's very entertaining. She's very funny. And honestly, I feel like she'd be, I know that Wendy Williams did greenlight Sherry as her replacement, but I do feel like Wendy and Nini could make something work together where Wendy would feel like, she wouldn't feel like she's giving up her show because Nini and Wendy are very similar. Obviously they've been up and down with their friendship because they're very similar, I believe. Um, so I feel like for that reason, and because of how much Wendy loves Housewives and speaking about Housewives, I feel like Nini Leaks would have been their best bet. I feel like they probably just didn't want to do it because Nini has a bad attitude. So that lesson learned, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen who happen to be listening, um, don't have a bad attitude. Try and be nice and polite and treat people with respect because ultimately it doesn't matter how lit you are, doesn't matter how funny you are, how successful you are, you will get to a point where nobody wants to work with you because Nini out here struggling in these streets, trying to get back on Housewives, it's very sad. It's very sad to watch. And it's like, all you had to do was not run your mouth, you know, at least publicly, you know? I don't really know why you thought calling your boss a racist cokehead in public was going to work in your favor. And now you're begging him back for a job. It's just very sad. So 
Um, I feel like because of what Nini is known for, that is ultimately what has arrived at the decision of Sherry. Because I do feel like if she had a better attitude and would be more willing to work with people and listen to people, they, I think she'd be replacing Wendy personally. But who's to say? Um, I'm intrigued to see what happens here on out. But yeah, it's a very sad week for Wendy Williams watchers, I'm sure. And yeah, I just, I hope Wendy's okay. I hope Wendy's doing well, um, do, doing as best as, as good as she can really, because mm, yeah, that made me sad to see. I, I would hate that. So <sighs> moving on to the last topic on the docket. So I'm gonna end with a topic that I find very interesting. And it is Rob Kardashian dropping his lawsuit against Black China. Now, yes, yes, I'm going to talk about a man, but really it's about Black China. Um, So Rob Kardashian has had a lawsuit against Black China for a few years now. So I'm just going to read this article from page six and then I'll get into it. Rob Kardashian has put an end to his years long legal battle with Black China. The former Keeping Up With The Kardashian star filed to dismiss his assault lawsuit against Black China without prejudice for the sake of their daughter and a judge has approved the motion page six has confirmed. My love for Dream far outweighs my desire to proceed with my claims against her mother in a public trial, Kardashian told Page Six in an exclusive statement this Friday. Oh, really? So your love for Dream didn't outweigh it when you filed? And Anyway, cool. Now that the court has ruled that there is sufficient evidence to warrant a jury trial on my claim for assault, for our daughter's sake, I'm dismissing the action and focusing on my co-parenting relationship with China. <laughs> He's acting like he didn't have that option before, but cool, <laughs> whatever. And the way he mentioned that the court ruled that there's sufficient evidence to warrant a jury trial on his claim, like, like your family aren't rich and powerful and couldn't have done it any other way. Get the fuck out of here, whatever. The dismissal seen by page six comes after a judge denied Kardashian's motion to delay the start of the trial, which was slated to begin next week. As page six previously reported, Kardashian sued China in 2017 September for assault, claiming she tried to strangle him with an iPhone charger cord after consuming copious amounts of drugs and alcohol. Very serious charges. The 34-year-old former Arthur George sock designer why do I feel like that's shade? I don't know why, because that is what he does. But it's like, you know we know that man. <laughs> Not sock designer. Anyway, sorry. The 34-year-old former Arthur George sock designer, not even sock designer, former. I didn't even know that he doesn't design socks no more. Anyway, said he was able to escape, but claimed she repeatedly struck him in the face and head. Kardashian claimed he suffered injuries to his neck, which he later documented on social media. China, 33, has vehemently denied her ex-fiance's allegations. In the now-cancelled trial, Kardashian's two friends, Eugene Spilsky, who claims he once witnessed China pointing a gun at Kardashian, and Victory Bells, who separately witnessed China pointing a gun at Rob and threatening his life. Like, China has a strap? The fuck? I'm not that shocked, but I would... F I don't know. I did... I just... I... I I don't know. I just feel like she'd be more of a babe to have it for protection. I don't feel like she'd be pulling it out on people, but who knows? He, these friends didn't even turn up to trial. So who fucking knows? They might've been capping for all we know. Uh, but who knows? I'm not, I'm not too sure. It's hard to read between the lines of this case. Cause there's a part of me that's like, mm, I feel like Rob might've been exaggerating, but at the same time I saw China and Rob, Rob and China, whatever. And you know, they had a pretty toxic relationship. So I wouldn't be surprised that they would be the type to put hands on each other. So it's kind of like, I don't know, but anywho, We'll get onto that. Victory Bells, who separately witnessed China pointing a gun at Rob and threatening his life, would be called to testify on his behalf. 
Chris Jenner's longtime boyfriend, Corey Gamble, was also expected to show up for Kardashian's defense. These same two friends of Rob refused to show up at their deposition to put their claims on the record, China's attorney Lin Siani said in a statement to page six at the time. China has video evidence that Rob didn't have a mark or scratch on him after the alleged, alleged attack because there was no attack. China is ready for her day in court to clear her name, the statement continues. Meanwhile, Rob has filed court papers to try to delay his own trial against China yet again. Rob Kardashian should have thought of his daughter, Dream, before he filed his malicious and baseless assault and battery lawsuit. China's lawyer, Lin Siani, told Page Six in a statement Friday. Rob has sought to use his wealth and power via this vexatious lawsuit. This is why I love a statement from a lawyer. They just bringing out all the fancy vocab. I love it. To smear China as a mother and even as a human being for more than four years. He did do that. Rob dropped his case on the eve of the trial, not because he suddenly wanted to drop the case for the sake of his daughter, but because he knew his assault and battery accusations against China were false. In other words, Rob's avoidance of the serious consequences of an adverse jury verdict is why he dropped this case, not his supposed concern for his daughter. China will now seek relief from the court to make sure that Rob cannot refile his lawsuit and to make him pay for her substantial litigation costs. That man is a damn fucking liar is what China's lawyer said. Sorry. So I read that article not to bore you guys, but just to kind of paint a picture of the story because it's not really big news here in the UK. I see even in America, I see it on the blogs every so often, but you know how the blogs do. They know how to make a big story when they want to. It's head, it's headline after headline and article after article when they want to. And then something that sh- could be a big story and there's a lot to talk about. It's like, oh, there's one little headline. So we're posting news, but you know, because the Kardashians have paid us, we're just going to be quiet about that. You know, that that's what happened because there's a lot of reasons why Rob could have dropped this lawsuit. It could have been because of his racist homophobic text that got leaked the other day. Um, yeah, that happened. He was threatening this man that sounds like was sleeping with China at the same time she was dealing with Rob. Because when I was reading the reports and the articles and stuff, basically it seemed like some of the reason why Rob might have been angry is because they didn't even really know whether or not the baby was his or my man's, the guy that he was sending the racist homophobic text to. Anyway, there's that. I don't really feel like Rob cares that much about his reputation like that. I'm not going to lie because he's very like, he don't do anything and his family has money. So I don't think he really gives a fuck like that. So I don't think that's the reason he dropped the suit. That could be, I'm just putting it out there because that could be it. But seeing as the texts are already out there, I don't really feel like that was his reason. I feel like his motivation for dropping the suit was to try and hinder China's lawsuit against his sisters and his mother because China has an upcoming lawsuit against the Kardashian family, specifically Khloe Kardashian, Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jenner, and Kris Jenner. So China's lawyer's right. Basically, let me unpack it. She had evidence that these claims were baseless. So Black China had unaired footage of Keeping Up With The Kardashians, which she had because they were considering using it for the second season of Robin China. Is it China and Rob? I forget. 
it was so long ago, it feels like. I forgot. I think it's Robin China though. Anyway, she had this footage because they were thinking of using it for the second season of their own show and they never got round to it because their show got cancelled. We'll get onto that. So this is the day after Rob is, is alleging that the attack happened. Rob wasn't limping and there were no visible injuries or marks on him consistent with being attacked by a six foot metal pole. That is such a tall tale to tell if it's not true. Like you need to know how to lie and have it be a believable lie. I'm not encouraging anyone to lie about something so heinous, obviously, but it's so mad to me that if she actually didn't harm you on that day, that you would lie and say she attacked you with a thick fucking six foot metal pole. Like, and then the next day be on camera with no visible injuries. Like, so dumb. Anyway, not to mention, Black China also received a report from DFC, that's the Department of Family and Child Services, that was made in 2016. So they asked Rob about the alleged attack and Rob confirmed that China didn't hit him. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case. It's not uncommon for someone to attack their partner and for the abused partner to lie for them because they don't usually want it to result in legal action, regardless of whether they did it or not. However, I do feel like, and don't please don't misunderstand me, in no way am I saying it is okay for women to assault men. I actually feel strongly about it because I do recognize that women do take advantage of our position as women and play the victim a lot when they are the aggressor or, you know, in situations where they are being violent, physically violent towards men and normalizing it because they know that men pose a more physical threat, but that doesn't really matter. That doesn't give you the right to assault somebody. So, you know, so please don't misunderstand me and I'm saying that it's not a big deal or anything. However, when you do read between the lines of the articles and what's being said, it does sound like Rob has exaggerated this attack because China didn't actually say she never held the iPhone charger around his neck. She's saying she was doing it jokingly and that Rob knew she wasn't really trying to hurt him. And like I said, because I saw the season of their show, I know that's just how they be. They fuck about like that. And it, it's hard to explain when you don't really know them, but they'd be doing shit like that. And I do believe they had that toxic relationship where they probably put their hands on each other. So this story might be exaggerated, but I believe that she's probably been violent towards Rob before and vice versa. That's why it's a great thing that they're not together now and just co-parenting. Because honestly, in those kind of relationships, you have no business being together. It's like, what are we doing here? We're just fighting each other? Like, come on. So anyway, we're speaking of China's lawsuits. So China still has a couple other lawsuits ahead of her, even though this is the one in her rearview mirror. One of them being the revenge porn lawsuit against Rob. So she has a court case against Rob as well. I don't know if you guys remember, but he leaked naked pictures of her around the time they broke up. I think there was like a sex tape as well of her and another guy. Basically, Rob is salty because he got with a woman that he knew was fucking a lot of men and then got mad when she kept fucking a lot of men. It was just like, okay, Rob, whatever, bye. And then she he leaked naked pictures. It was like, sir... The fuck? Firstly, you absolutely know that woman got with you for revenge. So stop acting brand new. You know why she's here. So stop. Anyway, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to say that the way China moved in every step of the way was correct. I'm just saying we knew what it was when we saw you lot together. So you should have known what it was. And you knew who China was because you knew her before. She was your sister's best friend, remember? Anyway. I just, I hate when men try and slut shame women as an attempt to make us feel sorry for the, what you want tears from me? Move. <laughs> like, you're, you lot funny sometimes. Anywho, one of them would be the revenge porn lawsuit against Rob, like I said, which is still ongoing. But the other one is one I mentioned earlier, which is a court case against the Kardashians. Chris, Kylie, Courtney, not Courtney, sorry. Courtney's always the one that's not involved in the mess. <laughs> she's on the show. And then after, after they wrap up, she fucks off <laughs> basically. Cause she's never, ever, ever got her name in these kind of stories. So it's Chris, Kylie, Kim, 
and Chloe. This case is still ongoing. And I feel like that's the reason why Rob dropped this case is because he knew that if China won, she was easily going to win this upcoming case against the Kardashians. And they couldn't have that because basically China is claiming that the Kardashians stopped her bag essentially by getting her show canceled by running to E with these stories, these stories that she assaulted Rob. So basically Kris Jenner utilized her relationship with E that they've been having for years now to get China the fuck out of here. And actually it's really making me think that this whole thing that they love their family and they love co-parenting with everybody and all the kids play together. We just love our family values. It's starting to make me feel like it's all a facade because if you really cared about all your family and your children, your grandchildren, why would you stop their mother making money off of something that you know is not true? The way they be treating black women in that family is, mm, it's, mm, mm. it's just like, okay. And even when China came out last year and said, all them women are baby mothers, but if we were black, if they were black, it'd be ghetto, right? I said, China, you know what? You didn't fucking lie. <laughs> you didn't fucking lie. Because if it was a whole black, fa- if it was a black family that was doing what the Kardashians were doing, everybody would be calling them ghetto and baby mothers and this and this and that and the other. So yeah. Absolutely. It's it's really funny that they love to be over here with the black people, but I feel like there is something in one or two of them at the very least that there's something that you don't really like black women like that. You just like to be around them and look litty. But there's something about you that don't really fuck with them. Because look at the way you do them. I don't know if you guys saw that clip that resurfaced again this year after Tristan Thompson did it again with his dirty dick. And you saw that clip of, um, and we saw that clip of Clemora Lee Simmons trying to put a battery in their back and be like, you can't let these bitches take your men and da 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 da. And you just see Malika's face like, oh, like there was a little shot of Malika that was like, oh, is this how you lot are doing Jordan? And I was just looking at her like, yes, sis, you might be next. You better tread carefully because it's weird. It's like, oh my God, like you lot were China's friend for so long. And then all of a sudden she got with your brother because your little sister decided to fuck her man. And now she's the problem. It's mad weird. Like it's like now she's ghetto and she's violent. Like you didn't know what she was like before. Wow. Okay. Anyway, I'm going off now and I didn't even mean to, (laughs) but uh, where let's bring it back, bring it back. So because China has evidence Her lawyer also says she has evidence of that too, that they did conspire to get her show cancelled off of these lies. If she proves that their lies in court, ultimately, she would definitely win that court case because we prove that those are lies. My thing is, if they really were that serious about this, why the fuck did they film the next day? I don't understand that. You made it easy for China. Like, why would you, maybe they didn't know that they were going to do it when they filmed, but it's just dumb. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, how are you going to say this bitch attacked you with a six foot metal pole and then be walking around looking absolutely fine the next day on camera? It's just very dumb. So I'm just going to end with another statement from China's lawyer. So China said, so she said, China also proved that although Kris Jenner was the ringleader for the plot to get season two of Robin China cancelled, it is Robin China, thank you, Kim Kardashian West, Chloe Kardashian, well, Kim Kardashian now, Chloe Kardashian and Kylie Jenner each separately defamed and intentionally interfered with China's contract for season two. So all three daughters face a trial by jury for their illegal conduct against China, Siani told us. So I don't know what's going to come of that now that this case has been dropped. 
I really hope China wins, but honestly, I'm if I'm being realistic, the Kardashians probably got this one. They probably played their cards correctly. Hmm. I'd really love to go behind the scenes of that family and just know all the fuckery that they're doing because when you really, really look at the shit closely, it's like, wow, really? You lot are doing like those homophobic racist texts are mad. Like Rob is not okay. <laughs> He's not okay. I'm just like, he was talking about running up on this nigga with every Mexican in LA. I was like, excuse the fuck out of me. And he was claiming he was Mexican, which had me so fucking baffled. I was like, when were you lot Mexican? I thought you were Armenian. Make it make sense. Rob is not okay. Maybe he, they're half, are they half Mexican? And I did not fucking know that. I'm pretty sure they're not. I'm pretty sure they're full Armenian, but I need to, I need to double check now because I was so confused when he said that he was Mexican. I said, excuse me. Yeah, I'll see where this story goes. Maybe I'll unpack those texts again because I just need to know what Rob was thinking because I was like, why the fuck are you doing this? Like, why? Anywho, you guys, it's really been fun. I've been kind of doing a lot of trial and error with my show, trying to figure out what type of content I really want to make. It's not easy when you're trying to create something specific. Um, but especially when you don't see much of that format in the UK, at least I don't. Uh, but yeah, I'm really happy with this. This is exactly what I'm, I want to bring. This type of energy, this type of content, this type of layout is exactly what you could expect from the underrated podcast. I had a great time and that's what it's all about. Entertainment, right? Let's not take it too seriously. I'm talking to myself, not you guys here, because literally that is what I have been doing, taking shit way too seriously. And now that I finally found the lane I want to go down for real, I'm like, let's just relax and have fun, shall we? <laughs> Thank you so much to the beautiful ladies of the Dope Black Women podcast for allowing me to do a takeover this week. I've really enjoyed it. And you can find me at I am Hannah OJ on all platforms. That will be Instagram and Twitter. You can also find the podcast socials on the underrated podcast on IG. On Twitter, it will be underrated pod. Make sure it's under rated. The her is intentional. <laughs> U-N-D-H-E-R-R-ated <laughs> podcast. Underrated pod for Twitter. And you guys, like I said, this has been a lot of fun. I will be coming to you soon with another episode. I did do one a week or two ago with Akuya Aubrey from No Shea Pod and the Classic Manny, both of whom I love. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be coming to you with another episode soon, probably next week. It's hard out here when you work and go to university and doing a podcast. So very, very soon I'll be coming with an episode, but it won't be until next week. But Thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you all have an amazing week ahead. I'm your host, Hannah OJ. Bye.